Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, I read a story the other day about trusting in the Lord to fix what is broken. It's a very interesting story, but it was to trust in the Lord to fix what is broken. And it goes something like this. It was a certain man and his pastor traveled to preach a sermon at another church. And when they finished, they went to the store to look around. The man bought a doll for his daughter and took it home and gave it to her. The very next day, the mother saw the doll broken beyond repair and asked the little girl why she broke her doll. She said, it's okay, mommy. Daddy will fix it. The mother said, I doubt if he can fix it. It's beyond repair. The little girl maintained the idea and trust that daddy will fix it. Well, the man returned home from uh, for the evening and the mother told him about everything and with tears he called his pastor and asked, what are you doing tomorrow? Because I have to go back and get another doll. The, and the man said, I have to get another doll because my little girl believes in me. End quote. I thought, that's a neat story. When we trust Jesus with our problems, he is the same as that man. We must trust that he will fix it. We must trust that we, he will fix it. As we make our way till Psalm 40 today, I want to remind you there are three things, church, if you're taking note, um, we must employ when something in our life is broken. Or when we feel like we're stuck in the mud. You go, what is that? Well, number one, in those times when we feel like something's broken, you have a slew of your problems all around you. The first thing we need to do, based upon the text and the word of God, jot this down, we must praise the Lord. And you go, what do you mean? Well, the one thing that we often forget to do, specifically in the midst of trials and tribulations, is praise the Lord. We forget. We need to praise him thanking him for his amazing deliverance our problem is is that we live under time constraints and we go well god you need to you need to deliver me and you need to do it today and then we wait and we wait and we wait god's god's time plan is not our time plan but in the midst of struggle we do that what's the second thing we need to look at well jot this down when we are, what, when we feel like we, life is broken or we're stuck in the mud of life, number two, we must give to the Lord. We must give to the Lord. In those times of stress and trial, dedication to him is key. Now, notice I didn't say you need to give him your money because this is not a money sermon. We must give him, and I'll show you what David talks about in giving to the Lord. You go, well, Ben, what else should we do? Well, obviously, 
And, you know, this is where Captain Obvious shows up. Um, When something in our life is broken, the third thing we must do is we must just trust the Lord. Now, trust is a very interesting thing because it's easy to say it's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Trust in the Lord. A lot of us would say, well, Pastor, I trust in the Lord. I trust the Lord. I trust in the Lord. I trust the Lord. But quite honestly, when we're put to the test, we don't trust the Lord. We don't trust him to meet our financial needs. We don't trust him to meet our marital needs. We don't trust him to meet all the needs that we have. But in those times, we must trust the Lord. Well, what should we do? Well, we should ask God for personal forgiveness and restoration. Now, there are three things again. We praise the Lord, we give to the Lord, and we trust the Lord. But before we jump into our text, church, let's chat for just a moment. And you go, why? If we're being honest... Most of us in this room at one time in our life have found ourselves in a pit. We did a study, when we did a study in Genesis, we talked all about when Joseph was put in a pit. Well, David finds himself in that same pit. Well, you go, what pit? What, what kind of pit? Well, listen, if you're taking notes, let me give you some, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Sometimes it's just the pit of discouragement. The pit of discouragement, that's easy. That seems to be a norm around, around this time. Something happened, church, in 2019, 2020 of March, that really fractured everything moving forward, and it's really caused a lot of discouragement. Not so much for the church, if you will, not so much for those who have a relationship with God, but it's really fractured the world. Do you realize that our suicide rate during this pandemic time has, has gone through the roof? And people can't handle what's going to, they don't understand what's happening. They were so used to the norm of everything being okay that they need a little slight change. So, so a lot of us, even as Christians, find ourselves in the pit of discouragement. But we also find ourselves in the pit of anger. Anger. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And some of us find ourselves, even today, in the pit of depression. In the pit of depression. A lot of us find ourselves in the pit of impatience. Impatient. A lot of us find ourselves in the pit of negativity. You have to do a self-assessment, church, and ask yourself, is anything, everything coming out of my mouth, is it positive or is it negative? And again, we're in that pit. Sometimes we're in that pit. Sometimes we just can't get out of that pit. And then some of us have a, we find ourselves in the pit of a bad attitude. A bad attitude. And if we're being honest, church, we don't even know how, how, we, how we got in, let alone how to get out. We just know we're in a pit. We're in a pit. If I can be honest with you, it's just a few years ago that I was really struggling with depression and I didn't understand because I've never really dealt with depression in this way, but I was really down. I was really, really depressed and I couldn't seem to pull myself out. I pictured myself in an airplane, if you could imagine, and I'm the pilot, and in order to not crash, you need to pull up. They always say pull up, right? And I was seeing if I could just pull myself out of this pit, and for some reason, I could not do it myself. And yet, 
week after week, month after month, year after year, I continued to preach and teach God's word. And there were times in my life that I was in the pit. And to know how I got there, I knew I couldn't get out. And then as we come to Psalm 40, God sends his word and we understand that he heals us and he actually delivers us from the pit and from destruction. So if you're here tonight, this is for you. Why? Because here's what God wants to tell you. In the word of God, he wants to deliver you out of the pit. Well, the pit of what? Well, again, we talked about anger. Anger. I mean, what happens if you're angry and you do not want to be angry? But you're really angry. And you just can't seem to get back to the place where you were before you fell in the pit. There's a lot of anger. And here's how we know we're angry. You take it out on other people. You take it out on your dog. You tell your dog to go outside and do his business and then when he doesn't come in when you tell him and you find yourself getting angry, you need to ask yourself, who am I really angry at? My dog? Or is, there, is it deeper? There's deliverance for that. You go, well, what else? Well, what about discouragement? That's the one we talked about. And what do you do when we get discouraged? You know, you, should, you shouldn't be. You're going, I, I, I shouldn't be. You know, but, but even realistically, you know that you're blessed and yet you feel discouraged. You feel discouraged. Or what about we're in that stinking pit of a bad attitude? You know, you want to sacrifice, you, you want to sacrifice in a situation, but the truth is you want what you want. And no amount of trying to change is going to make any difference. Sometimes it's just the pit. Now listen, to get out of the pit, you ready? This is key. You must be willing to do what we don't feel like doing. Let me say that again. In order to get out of the pit, you must be willing to do what you don't feel like doing. Can I get an amen? amen? Remember, Psalm 40 is a twofold story. First, it's about David's life. And we picked this psalm so we can see. And what I love about the word of God is David is just like us. David is a man of God who struggled with discouragement like all of us. He wrote in our text amid great difficulties. The good thing is that was not only did the Lord deliver him out of his discouragement, but he also used the resulting change in David's heart as a good example to learn from. In truth, you and I were often discouraged. We're often frustrated. We're often sad. Our expectations of things and situations never happen. God bless the Christian who remains faithful amid the troubles and the failures of this earthly life. Listen to me. In this life, you will experience frustration and sadness and discouragement. But God is calling you to stay faithful. To stay faithful. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. Do you guys remember this? He told his disciples, men, 
I want you to remember you need to expect trials. I was talking to Bobby when earlier before church started and, and Bobby was telling me that she's in a place of peace right now and she goes, I don't know for how long, but right now I'm enjoying it and that I say hallelujah. But remember what Jesus said to his disciples. He said this in actually John 16, 1 and 2. He says, these things I have spoken to you. Can you imagine if he was telling you this? That you should not be made to stumble. What are they going to do? They're going to put you out of the synagogue. Yes, a time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Well, okay, so listen, I'm cool with following Jesus as long as I get the perks and the blessings and the bennies. You understand that, right? I want to be a child of God. I love singing. I lift my hands. Hallelujah, right? Right? But wait a minute, Jesus just told his disciples that, um, that there's going to be some hard trials. And as a matter of fact, when, and, and here's the thing, the time is coming that whoever kills you, in my mind, I hear the, hold up, Lord, Lord, I'm all good with following you as a disciple. I, a disciple's a learner. I want to learn. But whoa, what about this murder thing? Hold up, time out. I don't, I didn't sign up for this. But this is what he's saying. He's saying this. And then he ends the chapter 16 with a similar vein. Look at verse 33 of John 16. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Here's, here it is, you ready? In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is what makes it so hard, church, when we study the word of God when other pastors and evangelists and other teachers bless their heart when 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 they're they don't tell us the truth and and we don't understand that in the world we're going to have some tribulation and we're going to have some trials you guys know exactly what i'm talking about Things at work are going really good and all of a sudden it just flips and your boss is crazy and all of a sudden they're, they're mad at you and the, I mean, it's just, and you're just kind of going, what happened? Yet, in spite of these words and many other similar scriptures, guys, many profess to know, many who profess to know Christ stumble and fall away when they get hit with various trials. It's my job to prepare you so you don't fall away. We can't stand before God and go, I didn't know. He goes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. If you're going to persevere with Christ, you must know in advance that you will face times when you're in the pit. And you must know what to do when you're there. What do I do when I'm in the pit? Rather than turning from the Lord, you must turn to him to rescue you from life's pits. That's the first part of the psalm. The second part of the psalm, it's a psalm, it is a song about pits, believe it or not. It falls into two sections. In the first half, verses 1 through 10, David tells God, or David tells how God got him out of the pit and then sings praises for doing so. But he didn't live happily ever after. 
Rather, it's evident from the second half in verses 11 through 17 that he fell into another pit. Welcome to Calvary. What happened? We didn't learn about pits. I'm so discouraged. Well, didn't that pastor give you any encouragement? Oh, I'm just in my pits. I'm in the pits. <laughs> Want to come to church with me on Sunday? Well, no. But that's, that's Psalm 40. He talks about the pits, man. He talks about the pits. But I love the fact that David is not, he's not sugarcoating the Christian walk. He's not sugarcoating men. Mary, you give your life to Jesus. It's all hallelujah. Woo, it's all good. It's going to be great, and you're going to be on top of the world. He goes, Mary, listen, if you're going to be a true disciple, there's going to be some pits, and there's going to be some trials, and there's going to be some tribulations. And this is just how it is. And, but, but I want to show you the formula when you come in to that. That's what the psalm in the second part is all about. Okay, so... Let me kind of give you a breakdown. Psalm 40 is broken down this way. David's life is our life. You ready? In the first part, we're going to see that we're going to see David's exile years. He actually prints that. Praise God for all he's done. He's the exile years. And then he'll be the dedication. He'll be the new king. So David goes from, from being a fugitive to being a king. And so he gives God all he asks. And then at the end, he starts and ends with personal forgiveness. Personal forgiveness. So it's all encompassing here. And I love this because it, 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 it's a big chunk of what David is talking about. So let's see. Let's see verses 1 through 5. Now, let me, get, let me set the stage. Because David right now, as he writes the first few verses, I want you to put yourself in his sandals. You go, what's that? Well, David had those rough years on the run from King Saul. Okay? Everybody in this room probably has not been a fugitive. On the run, looking over your shoulder waiting for somebody to take you out or at least come and arrest you. We've all lived pretty good lives. But David, his life was threatened all the time. And you've got to ask yourself what David thought. Why is my life threatened? Why am I, why am I being chased like hunted down like an animal? What did I do? You know, I, I used to play for the king. That's all I did. I, I played and, and I don't understand. And, and guess what? I had to leave everything I knew. I had to leave my home. I had to leave my family. You got to understand, for the safety of my family, I, I, I had to go. You don't know how many times David was actually living in what we call Bummer City. It's really bummed, man. And I want you to feel the weight of the text, church, when you think about what David is going through. Because he's going to write, I waited patiently for the Lord. I was thinking about this earlier. You know what I would write? I waited impatiently for the Lord. I often thought, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. Why me? And, and, and David is going to teach us, guys. He teaches us something so amazing while he's in the pit. You, you feel the weight of this, okay? He's on... Man, let me ask you a question before we move on. What would you think? What would you think? Am I ever going to get back? Okay. I wonder if David think what a lot of people think. Are we ever going to go back to normal? Right? Is it ever going to go back to normal? I wonder if one of his men said, it ain't going back to being normal, Dave. 
But God, you anointed me as king. How come I'm not king? I remember singing, oh, I wait, I just can't wait to be king. Do you remember when he said that? And then he had to run off. Why am I not king? Lord, you promised. You you promised. But I'm in a cave. I'm on the run. I think a lot of the songs that we sang probably were inspired by the Lord, right? I'm on the run, you know. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. That's where David is feeling. Now, my question to you, think about this. What would you write let me, let, me, let me just take it a little bit deeper. You woke up tomorrow morning and you were evicted out of your house even though you bought it. I'm sorry, you can no longer live here. You have 24 hours to get out and you had no recourse. You go to your bank and say, whoa, 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 let me see if I can figure out this whole situation. You realize that now you have no money in the bank. That's gone. You're completely alone. And then you find out that somebody actually wants to kill you. What would you write? Let's see what David writes. And let's see if it contrasts where we're at. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 40. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined me and heard my cry think about this guys let's break it down if you have a pencil handy circle that word for patiently why because in the in the original it's the it's kava c-a-k-a-w-v-a-w kava that's what he said i waited kava patiently and it means to bind together by twisting okay to tarry to be patient to wait upon You understand what David is saying here. I waited, both words, patiently. I waited patiently. Listen, there are times when we feel like God is deferring his help. And that's when we cry, God, why? Where are you? What are you doing, God? What's going on? But he's telling us, jot this down. This is key. You'll go back to it sometime. We must wait patiently for the Lord. We must wait patiently for the Lord. So, hey, what are you doing while you're in the pit? Waiting patiently for God. Waiting patiently for God. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You ready? While you're writing this down, how many of us, again, while we're in the pit, want to try to fix it ourselves okay we do i think it's human nature to go listen let me see what i can do i'll get myself out of this okay we have no place to live um we have no money let me see what i you know and 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 we sometimes we just okay but but not even we're david but 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 if we're in the pit of discouragement We're in the pit of of a bad attitude. We're in the pit of depression. I waited patiently. That's not my story. That's not my story. But he's telling me this has to be our story as believers. As, As Christians, guys, he's wanting us to grow up and wait patiently. 
But what I love is it's not just, I waited patiently and, and, and man, I felt like there were crickets when I, when, I, when I called on to God because here's the thing. Circle that other word, inclined, right? He inclined, inclined his ear. What does this mean? It implies to catch the faintest sign, the very faintest. And it's almost like you go, Jesus. And he's, he's like, yes, yes. And he heard my cry. And he heard my cry. But notice verse 2. Not only did he hear my cry, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, he sat my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. These were beautiful benefits to David as he waited patiently for the Lord. God delivered him from his present crisis, which was the miry clay, and he set him on a much better and more secure place. He established my steps. David's prayer for deliverance was answered. He says, I waited patiently. Yeah, but you were a mess, David, but I waited patiently. Yeah, but things in your life are all wrong. Yeah, but I waited patiently. David, you were in a pit. Yeah, but I waited patiently. Then he heard my cry. He heard me. He heard me in his timing. And not only that, he took me from where I was. He took me out of my present crisis. He, 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 he did that. He did that. He delivered me from my present crisis. And, it was, and, and he says, man, and I'm in a much, much better place. I'm in a much better place. Ever been there? You ever been when, when if you could look at your life in two, four, eight, ten, fifteen years ago and you go, Man, I never thought I would get out of this pit. I never thought I would be where I am today. I never thought. <sighs> and now you look back and you go, Wow. Wow, he he really He brought me out of that horrible pit. And he, he delivered me. And he set my feet upon the rock. And he guided me and he established my steps. But you know what I did after that? I complained because it took too long. I complained because after I got out of that pit, there was another, no, 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 no. Notice what he says. Here's what David says. He says, when I got there, guys, he says, he put a new song in my mouth to praise our, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Don't you just love that? Don't you just love that? He's prescribing the formula for you and I when we find ourselves in a pit, whatever pit it might be. He says, wait patiently. And then when God delivers you, what are you supposed to do? Shout it from the mountains, man. You go, Ben, we live in Lubbock. There's no mountains. Okay, shout it from the rooftops. But this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, here's what you're going to do. Praise to our God. Many is going to see it. Wait, what? And they'll fear. Wow. And will trust in the Lord. 
you realize that your life is a living, walking testimony to the world. You go, what do you mean? Your life, church, lived godly is the Bible to the world. This is what it is. Wait, 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 wait. Sheree, why are you why are you so happy? You're in a pit. You're in a pit. You're in a mess. Everything. I love Jesus. He'll be it'll be all right. Wow. And that's exactly the same reaction. You go, well, I don't know if I would do that. David doesn't. I don't know if I would do that. But then we realize that David is just like us. And so we get excited. We go, if David can do it, I can do it. And that's how they see our lives. The problem is, you ready? And I hate to, I don't want to step on your toes. It's such a beautiful night. But here's the problem. The problem is when we blow our testimony. When we mess up, when we blow our testimony, when we... The problem is when we misrepresent God when I'm in a pit. And the world is looking on and go, well, you're no different than me. You're in a pit and you're cussing and you're, and you're complaining and you're, why would I want your Jesus? And you go, I blew it. I, I blew up my testimony. That's why, church, it's important for us to pray about everything, to walk and allow the Lord to guide us. We get up in the morning and we go, all right, let's go, time to get going. And everybody goes their separate way. Some people go to work. Some people, we need to pray. God, I need the whole armor of God because I don't know what I'm going to face today. I don't know what I'm going to face at work. I don't know what I'm going to face at the grocery store. I don't know what I'm going to face, but I really want to represent you well. Here's what he says. And he says, and when, and, and when people see me, he's put a new song in my mouth. And people are going to see it. Guys, another benefit of waiting on the Lord, he gives us a new song to sing. A song of praise to our God. And people don't understand why in the midst of a crisis, you're singing praise songs. Can you imagine? But when they see it, they're going to fear. That word fear means revere. They're going to reverence and they're going to trust Jesus. They're going to trust Jesus. All my Bible students in here think about Paul. When Paul was in, in prison, what was he doing? He was singing. Well, that'll freak the guards out, right? Paul, you're about to die. Well, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within. You know, and just worshiping God, just worshiping. And he's just worshiping. I mean, there's, there's tons of, I mean, we, we, I don't have time to go through it, but you guys know the story. They're singing and praising God, and the jail cell opens, and, and, and the jailer's going to what? going to kill himself. He goes, hey, don't do it. We're still here. He goes, what must I do to be saved? I want what you have. That should be the key, church. People should be looking at us going, I want what you have. I want what you have. You young kids, when people are mean to you and you don't respond ugly and, and back to them, Others want what you have because you have the Holy Spirit of courage in you. You go, okay, I'm not going to retaliate because God tells me to love my enemies. Wait, what? 
They just threw milk at you. Yeah, I ain't worried about that. I don't know if you all drink milk anymore. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's Coke. It used to be milk in my day. We didn't, we didn't have Coke back in my day. Yeah, we did. I'm just kidding. We had Tab. Tab was awful. Tab was like... I never drank Tab, but it was pretty awful. Why are you going there, Ben? I have no idea. Don't drink Tab. It's changed a lot now. God's going to deliver us. God's going to deliver us in his time. In his way. Can I say that again? God's going to deliver us in his time, in his way. Our only job when we fall into a pit is come out praising him. Listen, I hate to keep bringing it up. But I saw it firsthand. You see, my wife and I fell into the pit of cancer. Oh, by the way, we went to the doctor today. Still cancer free, praise God. When God does a healing, he does a healing. I mean, he healed her. Amen? Amen. But we fell into the pit. And, and I watched her. I watched her in the midst of the cancer pit. Praise God. I watched her. I watched her weep, saying that she didn't want to misrepresent God in any step of the way. She wasn't looking and saying, why me, God? Why me? She wasn't saying, why me? She was saying, Lord, I don't want to misrepresent you. And so guess what? She made it her goal to witness to everybody. And even the doctor. We, we, had, we, we got a new doctor today, and there she was. She, our goal was to minister and, and, and to win the doctor. That's where we need to be, Christian, in the midst of a pit. Whatever pit of it. It's a small pit, like a bad hair day pit. Gabby, you ever have a bad hair day pit? Just can't get it straight. Just can't get it straight. We can praise God. We can praise God. Notice what he writes in verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to the lies. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are the wonderful works which you have done. Notice what he says. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Guys, these verses are amazing. Amazing. Again, put, put on the mindset of what David... David's a fugitive, okay? He's on the run. He's got a hit on him, and he's living in caves, and, and, and he does not have the luxury suite. You understand that? And he writes these things. What does he say? He said, blessed is the man. Okay? The word blessed there is happy are you. Happy are you. And, and, and approval from me is the man who truly trusts the Lord. So let me ask you a question. How many of you trust the Lord? You go, I do. You're not going to lift up your hand right now. But let me say this. Trusting the Lord when things are really good doesn't move us, does it? Listen, I'll be honest with you. I can trust the Lord a lot better 
with X amount of dollars in the bank. Okay? Any of you want to put hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, in my bank account? I trust God. I trust the Lord. We're very good when things are really good. It doesn't move us. Okay? It doesn't move us. But if you really want to learn trust, it's going to be in those times in the pit that you're going to grow. Because that's when you go, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. You see, you guys know the story, the story of the wheelbarrow in Niagara Falls. I've told you this story before, okay? There was a guy, and he, was, he would cross over the line in Niagara Falls, and everybody would hoo-ha, yeah, wow, do it again. And then he comes down, and he says, you saw me walk across. I've got this wheelbarrow right here. How many of you trust that I can walk across Niagara Falls in the wheelbarrow, with the wheelbarrow? And everybody's like, yay, we trust you. He says, if you really trust me, get in the wheelbarrow. Right? That's the story. And that's the whole point. From the ground, we're like, we trust you, God. And God goes, okay, get in the wheelbarrow. And you're like, I don't trust you. You're going to drop me. It's Niagara Falls. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. How many of us ever said that? I'm going to die. God, you're going to die. And, and he's going, no, no, no. Here's where the trust comes in. If you really trust that I'm God and I'm good, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. Trusting the Lord, guys, when we're in a crisis, listen to me, strengthens us to a closer walk with him. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't. But it does. I think about Peter. Think about Peter. Don't you love Peter? Peter, think about this. He, he's in the boat with the fellas. He's in the boat with the fellas, right? He's got, he's got Brother Tony rowing in the front. And we got Larry over there. And there's Mike Shaw telling jokes. And giving us the weather forecast, which it's raining. And there's Anthony and all y'all. And we're out there. And there's Pete. And Pete says, hey, it's the Lord. But Pete's in the boat. He's in the boat. It's secure in the boat. Oh, but there's a storm. But I'm, I'm in the boat. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. What does Jesus say? Come. So Peter goes... I trust you, Lord. I trusted you. <laughs> I trusted you. <laughs> Who would it be? <laughs> I, tr- I trust him. No, no. He goes, I trust him. And so he gets out, right? He gets out. But what I find interesting, you guys know the story, okay? The crisis for Pete was the storm. <laughs> but it actually strengthened Peter. How so? Well, let me draw your attention to the screen. Matthew chapter 14 and we'll put it on up there. Matthew fourteen thirty to 33 says this. But when he saw the wind was boisterous and was afraid, and he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to you, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. You guys with me? Keep going. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here's what I want you to see. Pete was in a crisis. Pete was drowning. 
Everybody else trusted the Lord, but it's easy to trust him in the boat. Just hold him, holding on. But Pete got out of the boat, found himself in a crisis, ended up sinking, ended up drowning. Jesus saved him. Next thing you know, they're on the boat. It's now it's it's there's no there's I mean <laughs> you're like, where did the storm go? Are you kidding me? But it says something very interesting. You go, what's that? It says, Then those who are in the boat came and worshipped him. And worshipped him. What I love is they didn't point fingers at Peter. They didn't point fingers. They didn't look at Peter and go, hey, Tony, do you see Pete? (laughs) I want a fool. They worshiped the Lord. You know why? Because they realized, wow, that dude got out of the boat. How come I didn't get out of the boat? I, I need to be more like Pete. I need to be more like Pete. Yeah, but Pete, Pete, Pete stumbled on the crisis. Yeah, but even though he's sitting there shivering and he's got a blanket on and he's, nobody's pointing at him, they're praising the Lord. And that's the same with your life. Even when you stumble in a crisis and you feel like you're in a pit, like David says, guess what happens, church? You go, and people aren't looking at you anymore. They're looking at God going, wow, I can't believe you got out of the boat. I can't believe you stepped out. That's amazing. Yeah, but I fell. Oh, I don't even. I didn't even think of the fall. I thought you got out of the boat. And God, in our spirit tonight, church is wanting us to get out of the boat. He says, "Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's." Yeah, but Lord, but but Ben, I might I might fall in a pit. You might, but but praise Him in the pit. Praise Him in the pit. Back in our text, what I love is he says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful... David is going, I just praise you. Okay, I've got some homework for you tonight, okay? I've got some homework for you tonight. Will you go out in your backyard when you get home and it's getting a little bit dark before you go to bed and just praise the Lord. Look up and just say, Lord, wow, what wonderful works. You created stars. You created the moon. It's what a beautiful night. Thank you, Lord. This is what David's saying. He says, look at the wonderful works which you have done. And he goes, not only that. And he says this. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you. In order, if I would declare and speak of them, he says they're more. And and here's what I love. Here's what I love. God is thinking about you. His good thoughts towards you are more than people can count. How come we don't put that on a coffee cup? And I'm serious about that. Here's why. Listen, because a lot of us live in the pit of a negative world and we become so negative that we can't see that God is good and he thinks about you all the time. He's thinking about it. David goes, man, <laughs> wow. I like what Spurgeon says on this. He says, this is outrageous love. Why? Because you love your spouse, but you don't think about her all the time. You don't think about him all the time. But God says, I love you so much. Spurgeon says this, God's thoughts towards us are wonderful because they are so many that they cannot be recounted. You cannot count God's thoughts of you. One gracious thought is followed by another swiftly as the beams of light flash from the sun so that it's impossible for us to number them. That's how much God thinks about you. 
Let me say this. God is not thinking about your mess-ups. He's not thinking about how disappointed he is in you. He's thinking how wonderful and amazing and how, how he just looks forward to you growing in him. You guys will understand this principle if you have children. You go, what do you mean? When you look at your children and you see how they're growing, your children and your grandchildren, you go, wow. You don't sit there and go, let me tell you how many times you messed up or you did this or you broke that or da 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 You don't do that. You think of, man, what a, what a wonderful young man they're growing up to be. What a wonderful young woman to be. I think about that with my, with my granddaughter. I think about, I mean, she's eight now. She's eight, and, and I look, and, and wow. The thoughts that I think, wow, Lord, what, what amazing. I'll tell you what brought tears to my eyes. It happened yesterday. As the worship team was practicing late, uh, late in the evening, they practice on Tuesdays. My granddaughter's here, and then she gets the microphone, and she starts singing a worship song. Just singing. And I'm like, wow, Lord. No, no, no. You know what I thought? Well, you were out of tune. Well, you were pitchy. I can't believe that. You're eight years. Get it together. You go, you're a bad grandpa if that's the case. That's the point, guys. God's not a bad grandpa. He's not a bad dad. He's God, and he loves us so much that he thinks, and he thinks good things for you. And he thinks good things for you. And I love that. That's what he's saying. And that wasn't in my notes at all. That was free for you guys. Let's move on. Look at verses 6 through 10. David has moved from the pit. Where to? The rock. Where is he now? He's, he's the king. After all God has done, the natural byproduct of seeing God move firsthand is expressing appreciation to the Father. Look at, look at the little bit of, I, I call it 40 verse 6a. He says, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Why is David saying this, guys? It's not that these things are wrong back in, in David's day. But for us to give all that he asks, what is he asking for first? He's asking that it starts with our heart. Samuel told Saul... It's better to obey than to sacrifice. Okay? To give God all he asks means it starts with our heart. And we must give the only thing we can give. A surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. Please don't let the world come in. And take a chunk of your heart through bad attitude, negativity, depression, discouragement. And so you go, God, here's my heart. But it's been missing and it misses. A, and no, it needs to be completely certain. Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. Please don't beat yourself up for some of the bad choices that you made throughout life. We all make bad choices. 
And that's why I love the scripture that says, your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I come and it's a new day. And my sins, you're not holding those against me. What a beautiful day it is. It's a beautiful day to worship you. So what do I give God? What do we give God? He wants all of you. He wants all. Listen, church, there should be no disconnect at all in our lives for God. There's no, my, oh, okay, this is my work. This is my work. This is my work me. And I don't talk about God. This is my work me. This is me. Oh, oh, and this is my church me. Hi, how are you? God bless you. How you doing? This is, this is my church me. It's all of us. He wants all. And however you are every single day, that's how you should be. Now, listen, I understand because I've got to be honest with you. I've got to confess this because if I don't confess this, I don't know. I am not a morning person. I'm not. I'm not a morning person until I have my first cup of coffee. You understand that. My wife is the most loving, and she's up, and she's like, good morning, and I'm like, that's what I feel like every morning, you know? So I'm not talking about some of those moods we get into, because I do, and then I have my coffee, and I'm like, hey, I'm good, it's all good. You know what I, maybe this is for you too. It sounds like it's the monitor. That's okay. Don't, don't even worry about it. We're almost done. Um, help me. You know when I'm in, a, I'm in the pit of a bad mood? It's when I'm tired. Physically. Physically, it's just one of those Thursday, Friday afternoons. <sighs> Lord, help me out of that pit. Lord, help me out of that pit. I love the fact that we're not going to be able to finish this text. So what do we do when we're in a pit? Praise the Lord. I know it's hard. The last thing you want to do is praise God. But here's, here's our flesh. You ready? Here's our flesh. Here's what we do. We're in a pit. Okay, everybody's in a pit, right? We're in a pit. And we're going to praise God but we're going to praise God to manipulate him to a better outcome come on somebody just me we're in a pit so we start going praise the Lord praise God God you're amazing am I am I not okay God my Lord that's not that's not the key the key is going God is good and I find myself in this and I'm just going to praise him with a pure heart Lord you're good you're amazing I don't understand all that's going on, but you're good. You're good. And as a matter of fact, you've given me a new song. You've given me a new song, a new song to sing. And that's where we sing, and that's where we pray, and that's it. So we're going to finish this psalm next week because we only got to verse 6. Somebody talks too long. I think it was Haas that told me that I preach way too long. But you guys are good. You guys are good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can... Lord, I'm, I'm so blessed, Lord, that even if we don't finish, it's okay. 
because we can pick up next week, Lord. We still have so much, Lord. So these verses are so good. So, Lord, we ask, God, that you would just um, bless. Lord, bless everyone here, Lord. Bless all those watching online. Bless our Sunday service, Lord, as we continue to invite and we continue to fill this place up. Lord, we're living in the last days, Lord. Every, t- every time I turn on the news, Lord, there's always something closer to you. So I pray that everyone here is saved. Everyone here has opened up their heart and said, yes, they believe in you. And they're going to heaven. Bless all those today that couldn't make it, Lord. I pray a special blessing on them, Lord. We're, we're, you're, you're, you're moving here at Calvary. You're moving here at Calvary. And Lord, we, we're just excited for what you're going to do. I love the Wednesday, the Wednesday night group. We're family, Lord. So, Lord, today, maybe somebody's here in a pit, God, and they're they're just going, Pastor. I'm I'm in a pit right now, but but I'm going to do what David does. I'm going to pray. I'm going to praise him, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to wait patiently for him. I'm just going to wait on him. And when people ask me what I'm doing, I'm just going to be waiting. I'm just going to be waiting. I'm just going to be waiting. Maybe your marriage is not what it's supposed to be. It's not godly at all. And you've been praying for your husband. Just wait patiently for the Lord. The Lord is still working. The Lord is still working. Maybe we're... We have kids that are not serving Jesus. And we feel like we're in that pit of, Lord, they, they need you. They're, they're going to be left behind. And, and we just trust you, Lord, that you're going to be working patiently. You're going to be, you're bringing them closer to you. There's maybe somebody here that are watching online or listening. I, I'm not sure, but maybe you're in the pit at your job. Remember, your job is such a great tool, a missionary place for you to spare the gospel. And when God gives you the release, go with joy. But if he hasn't, then he has you there for a reason. There's people in your job that need to get saved. There's people in your job that need to just confide in you. There's people in your job that needs to just talk to you without being judged. There's people in your job that needs to know that you're not a gossip. There's people in your school that are looking at you as a leader and they're watching from afar and they want to know if this Jesus thing is real or not. They've seen so many, so much false Christianity in their lives, they're not sure what this is. And they're looking to you. And so, Lord, we praise you. We praise you in the midst of a pit. We ask that you get us out. 
verse 6, Lord, your David is on the throne. He's on the throne, Lord. Things are going to start looking good. Things are going to be looking good. Lord, thank you for the thoughts that you think towards us. Thoughts of good and great plans. Thing, thoughts to prosper us, Lord. I want to meditate on that. I live in a negative world, Lord. I need positive. I need to know that you love us and the thoughts you think. Last but not least, Lord, our prayer as a church is we don't misrepresent you. That we represent you well in the midst of the highest mountain that we're screaming your praises from in the lowest valley. And forgive us, God, when we stumble. Your love is so great. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.